reflecting on the past. And we can, as we said, we can be joyous and we can be thankful for what God did last year. And we can be excited about what God's put in front of us. And we can set goals. And we can go back to gym and we can do these things. But let's not fear and stress about the new year. Let's find joy and let's use the, the opportunity that God's put right in front of us. Because what does the devil do? The devil uses our stresses and he uses our regrets. So if we're sitting here today regretting stuff that we didn't finish in 2022, I didn't finish that project, or I didn't get my weight below 90, or I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, Satan will keep us there and he'll keep us on those regrets and he'll play on our fears as well. So if something went wrong at work, he'll keep reminding you of that so that you don't step out and do it again, right? And well done for Yaku in stepping out and, you know, we can have fears. And I, not so long ago, I was standing up front being fearful about giving a finance teach. Now I'm standing up front being fearful about preaching. <laughs> so, you know, Satan keeps us busy, not just with things that keep us busy, but also with thoughts that keep us busy. He keeps us worrying about the future and regretting the past so that we get nothing done in the moment. And God wants to use, use us in the moment, and Satan is the one that's holding us back. So let's try and break some of those this morning. Okay, so first scripture is Isaiah 43. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So there again, don't remember the past. Don't remember how tough it was, but live in the moment and use the opportunities that God's setting before you. So the Israelites, they shouldn't be thinking about slavery, but they should be realizing that God is with them in the wilderness, leading them through the wilderness, giving them daily manna, guiding them with a pillar of fire, right? So using, but what did they do? They still grumbled. They still said, hey, you know, I think things were better in Egypt because we're suffering here now. I'd rather go back to slavery. And they were thinking of the past. So you can think back with regret, or you can think, actually, you know, things were almost better there instead of looking at what God was doing. I mean, God was, imagine if we had a, a pillar of fire guiding us when we're driving off on holiday, or we had manna falling from the sky. It just wouldn't be, be on our knees praising God, and yet they were grumbling and thinking back to the past. So don't look back with regret, because the past can paralyze us as well. Because you, you know, that thing that went wrong, you're so scared now if I try it again, it's going to fail. So you're actually just paralyzed and you don't do anything and you just sit and accomplish nothing. And what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back? She got turned into a pill of salt. So I think God was telling, telling them there and telling us not to look back and consider the things of the past. And actually, if you look at the interpretation of the, the words looked back, it wasn't just to like glance back to check that the flames weren't catching her. It was actually to regard or to consider or to pay attention to. So when she looked back, she wasn't just making sure that she was outrunning the, the, the fire falling from the sky, but she was actually looking back almost like, hey, we're leaving this behind. And that's what God didn't want. He didn't want her looking back at the past with regrets and bitterness as to what they were leaving behind. He wanted them to step into something new and step out of where he was saving them from. So C.S. Lewis He's one of my, I can't say authors because I don't read a lot of books, but uh, certainly one of the, the, my favorite theologians who I like to quote. And 
my kids got me this for my birthday because I really enjoy C.S. Lewis. And um, his quote is, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So if you're sitting here today and, you, and there is something you didn't finish or a goal that you didn't attain, then you can make a difference right now. You can start today and work on that goal. But don't regret that you didn't make it by the 31st of December. It's just a date. There was, there was no deadline that anybody set for you. It was probably your own deadline. So work on it today and don't stress about the fact that you didn't make it. So in my quiet time this morning, uh, Luke 9 verse 62 came up. It says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I thought, geez, that fits in perfectly with what I was going to say this morning. So it's not on the board, but another scripture, Luke uh, 9 verse 62. So what God's saying is when you start plowing, don't look back. Because what happens when you look back? You start doing this. Have you ever tried driving a car or a bicycle and looking behind you while you're driving? It doesn't end well. So don't put your hand to the plow and look back, for then you're not fit for service in the kingdom of God. God wants people that have got their hand on the plow and looking forward and looking to him and not looking back where they came from. Okay, Matthew 6 verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we spoke about looking back. Now let's look at looking forward. And I think this verse came up a lot in 2020 when people were dealing with COVID. Uh, this verse and similar verses came up about not being anxious, but focusing on God. Not worrying about tomorrow, but focusing on today. What can I get done today? What has God set before me today? And that's why we talk about daily bread. When you have your daily devotions, your daily bread, because God gives us um, capacity and ability for today. He doesn't give you your capacity for tomorrow. Right? That's why we eat every day and we drink water every day and we breathe every day. And you fill up your car with just you know, the tank that it needs. Maybe not just for the day, bad example. But uh, you know, God gives us what we need for the day. And the same with the, the manna that he was giving the Israelites in the desert, if we look back there. It was just the daily bread. And if they, you know, if they got worried and anxious and they stored some, it went fraught. Because God said, I only want to give you what you need for the day. And don't try and gather for tomorrow. Tomorrow will have its own problems and I will give you daily bread for tomorrow. So just gather for today. But what do we do? We, we're busy today and we're starting to think about tomorrow. So my work example, I used to do that a lot. I would, and it comes from overbooking yourself. Where you've got a whole week of meetings and deadlines. So, I mean, you can't get both done. So you sit in a meeting worrying about the next meeting or worrying about the work that you should be doing, but you're wasting time sitting in the meeting. So you're actually accomplishing nothing by sitting there. So think of those things in your life. Where have you overcommitted and you're actually getting nothing done because you're sitting in a position worrying about the next thing? So don't worry, but don't get yourself into a position where you're naturally going to worry, where you're not sleeping and you're sitting worrying, where you're at your desk and you physically can't concentrate because you're worried about the, next, the rest of the week. So don't get yourselves into those positions. Even the spies, if we look at them, something that Joy reminded me of this morning, the spies also didn't trust God. They went into Canaan and they came back. Ten out of twelve said, no ways, these guys are too big. No, we're just never going to take them. 
And only Joshua and Caleb had faith and to trust in God and to say, God's led us this far, we're going to keep going and not be anxious about where we think God's taking us. Right, Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days of evil. So that's talking about the present. So we said don't hop or look back at the past. Don't be anxious about the future, but make the best use of the time. So the time that we've got now, make the best use of it. So don't just be paralyzed in fear or stress or regret, but also make sure that you're using it for good and not for evil. So use your time well that God has given you. Okay, I spoke about today being a present. And remember, we've all got 24 hours a day. Because some of us think, geez, that guy just seems to have so much time on his hands. But guess what? He's also just got 24 hours. So maybe something's wrong with your priorities or your calendar or your procrastination that um, your 24 hours seems to go quicker than your, than your neighbors. All right? So use your time well. We've all got the same amount of time. Right, Nick Vucic. I, I stumbled across this book in the week. We, I work at a printing factory. So I stumbled across this and I brought it home. I don't know if you know this guy, but he's got no limbs. He's got no arms or legs. He's just got a little, a little foot there. Oh, there's a better picture of him. Sorry, if you just go back to the first one. So that picture on the left was when Nick first visited South Africa in 2002. So that's South Africans holding him up there. We were fortunate enough to see him when he came here. We went to the RGS church in Goodwood where he was ministering. We got to hear him speak. Incredible testimony that he's got. Just on how God has used him despite his situation of having no limbs. And that's him on the right how he looks now. He's 40 now, born in 82. So he's now 40 years old. And he's been ministering through a ministry called Life Without Limbs since 2005. So what's that? 37 years now. 37 going on 38 years. So if you go to the other picture. So you'll see he's got married. You'll see bottom right he's got four kids. Uh, two boys and two little twin girls. You can see at the top right that he autograph, autographs books as well. So you can go online and you can check him out if you want. But he uses his mouth to, to autograph books because he's written about 10 books that I know of. Maybe he's written more. Uh, you can see he's not scared to dive off the side of the pool, into the pool. There you can see his little foot in that picture as well. There's him, he's driving a speedboat uh, with a fishing line and surfing with Bethany Hamilton as well. So incredible story and the reason why I wanted to highlight him and I felt God just highlighted to him, him to me in the week is if there's anyone that should say, you know, I've had a rough deal and I've had a bad past and I regret being born or I regret this or regret that or I fear the future because I mean how do you look after yourself how do you I mean you must have certain fears towards the future but he doesn't he's overcome all of that he's got incredible testament incredible ministry so if you go onto their website life without limbs they've shared well as at the time that I looked yesterday they've shared the gospel with 733 million people since 2005 and they say at least one million of those are following God. So 733 million, that's about 10% of the world population. And their target is to reach another billion people by 2028. 
So you see, it's not bad to set targets. They've set themselves a target, but they're probably not anxious about it. They are trusting God and they, they're running hard. I actually wanted to read something out of here. I've written and spoken often of the challenges I've faced in life because I was shorted the standard allotment of limbs at birth. He's actually quite comical as well. He makes a lot of jokes about his situation. So, In describing my journey, I've noted my early crisis of faith, my despair and depression that led to an attempted suicide. So you can imagine when he was, when he was a child, it was really tough. Imagine all the other kids playing out there and he's really limited. As a teenager as well, he was bullied, intimidated or mocked. I don't know what you would call it. No, so it must have been very tough as a teenager. So it was in his young years, obviously before 2005, that he tried to attempt suicide. And how I eventually came to understand that I was not God's mistake, but instead that God did have a plan and a purpose for his perfectly imperfect child. Yeah, so just, um, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional, but um, just an example of somebody who didn't focus on the past, who's not worried about the future. He's not worried about how he's going to get from A to B and, and how he's going to get food and all that. He's, obviously, he's got people with him, but he's trusting God. He's just trusted God on his, on his whole journey. Nick Vucic. He's Australian, by the way, not, not uh, Czechoslovakian or something. A young, a young Aussie, but living in California now. Right, thanks. Just some of the books that he's written, uh, Life Without Limits, then Love Without Limits when he got married, Unstoppable, and Attitude is Everything. That's just some of the books. And then obviously this one, which is uh, Be the Hands and Feet of Jesus. Okay, uh, next scripture in Matthew. Right, so Matthew 13, 31 to 32 Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So what I want to challenge us out of this verse is to, while we're using our time to the best of our ability, is to look out for the small things. You know, so when you're going through your day and you think, oh, I should minister that, to that person, but I've only got five minutes. You know, you actually only need 30 seconds just to, to share with them. You throw yourself out there and God will use it. So don't, don't limit God and think, oh, actually, I don't have time. Or, you know, when you're at work or, or going through life, when somebody says, how are you? Just stop for 30 seconds and just chat to them instead of saying, I'm fine. And you just keep going. And we all do it. I do it as well. But... You know, what does it take to just stop, greet them, show a bit of Jesus to them, and daily, daily you'll, you'll see changes or you'll see an impact on that person if you just change your attitude towards them and you shine Jesus to them. So the smallest little thing we do, God can use. Just like this tiny mustard seed becomes a massive tree, so the smallest thing that we sow out, and Jesus talks a lot about sowing in the Bible because it was a term that they understood well, and it's a wonderful illustration. And Richard loves sowing and reaping illustration, as you guys know. So sow out and see what God can do. Trust God. Just do the little things. And you might think, well, geez, I'm, I don't know my Bible that well. Or I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm not going to speak to people about Jesus. But it's just 
sharing your life stories, just being kind to people, people that serve you in everyday life, be kind to them, give them a business card if you've got for your church, um, and share Jesus with them. Just share about what Jesus has done for you, or share about your church. You don't have to share about revelation to them. You know, bring them along here, but keep it simple, share your story, and see what God can do. Okay, so talking about um, making an impact. If we look at the people in the Bible, there's a lot of big names in the Bible. But can you tell me what Simon Peter's brother's name was? Andrew, oh, well done. Well done, Debbie. <laughs> so, but a lot of people would think, hmm, what's Peter's brother's name? He was also one of the disciples, also one of the 12, and his name was Andrew. But we don't hear a lot about Andrew in the Bible. But what's, what's something that he did? That is note, that notable in the Bible. Can anyone remember anything he did? Correct, yeah. He, brought, he met Jesus first, and he brought Peter to Jesus. And Peter had a massive impact, as we know. I'm sure Andrew did as well. But Peter very much the, the big mouth and the leader of the 12. You know? so, so the same, you know, you could be bringing somebody to the Lord that has a massive impact. So don't overlook those opportunities. Use every small opportunity that, that's put before you. Okay, Luke 12, 43 to 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find, find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Sure, quite a rough ending to that story. But the point I want to make out of here is, you know, we go on, we go on with our Christian faith knowing that Jesus will come one day. But how different would we be if we knew he was coming on Tuesday? If we had two days and then Jesus was coming, do you think we would change our behavior? I think all of us would. Right? So some of the things we would get into the Word, what, is, what does Jesus want to say to me? Holy Spirit, reveal stuff to me. What are you saying to me? Making sure that you've repented of everything that you've done wrong. Using all your time and your money and your resources to, to reach the lost. You can imagine how different we would behave if we knew Jesus was coming in just two days. So getting back to the present and using the, the moments that we've got now, just bear that in mind. So where am I now? Or should I do it this way? Where am I now? Where would I be if Jesus was coming in two days? And, and what's this gap in between? Why is there this gap in between? Where should I be? Where should I be operating? I should be maybe not totally there. I've still got to go to work. But um, maybe I should be a lot closer to this side than where I am now. So let's use the opportunities. Then Matthew, second last scripture, Matthew 21, 28 to 31. What do you think? A man had two sons. So this is Jesus asking the question. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir. But he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of his father? So this is Jesus. He's speaking to uh, the, the teachers and, and the elders in the, in the temple, not to the disciples. So he, he's asking them the question. Which of the two did the will of the Father? And these leaders said, the first. 
Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. So did they answer the question correctly? Who thinks they answered the question correctly? The first son, must I remind you of the question? So there were two boys. The one said, I won't go, but then he went. The second one said, I will go, but then he didn't go. So which one of those is doing the will of the father? They said the first. Who agrees with the elders that it's the first? Don't be shy. That is right. <laughs> well done, Gabriel. So that they answered correctly, but maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying. But what Jesus is saying there is, if you look at the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, why he brings them into it, is they first ignored the law, didn't they? But then when John the Baptist came along, they believed his message and they got saved. So they ignored, they said no, and then they followed. As opposed to the teachers of the law that are saying, yes, we will follow, but they're actually not doing what God wants. So, that's, so he was addressing them specifically. And this comes on the back of him cursing the fig tree, on the way that he cursed the fig tree. Why? Because it had leaves, but it wasn't producing fruit. And that's what the leaders of, those, of that temple were doing. They had all the leaves, like, look what we're doing, but there was no real fruit. And he cursed that fruit. And on the back of that, he's asking them this question, saying, now, are you doing the will of my father? So the first brother was the right one. Even though the tax collectors and the outcasts and the prostitutes, they, were all, they all said no originally, they all followed. And that's what Jesus wants. Not for us to say no, but to follow. Does that make sense? And Yaku spoke about it as well. Matthew 6 verse 1, I think it was, that Yaku used, uh, where he was talking about don't do things to be seen. And that's exactly what those teachers of the law were doing. They were doing, they had the leaves, but no fruit. So they wanted people to see what they were doing, but there was no real fruit. So that fitted in actually nicely. Well done, Yaku. And then last scripture, Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it fits in with a previous scripture. But this is talking more about in intention. Sometimes we have all the best intentions. We say, right, I'm going to start gym on the 1st, no, the 2nd, no, the 3rd of January. The other's a public holiday. You know, so we, we have all these intentions, but then we don't act on it. So again, when you're in the present and you're using the time that God's given you, don't just make a list of all the stuff that you want to do. Actually do something. You know, some, some of us are fantastic. We draw up wonderful lists and calendars and color code and but then we'd actually get none of it done. So make sure that you're actually getting things done and not just making a list every day. Right. So we've got two wonderful kids in their 20s now. They used to be teenagers. And Joy would say, have you, un have you unpacked the dishwasher? No, but I was going to. You know, There's, Teenagers are very good at having intentions, but not always acting on them. So the same, when, when we've got opportunities, oh, I should have prayed for that lady in spa. Ooh, I think... I think God wanted me to pray for that man in the wheelchair. Well, why didn't you? No, no, next time. Uh, next, next time I see him. When you're in the moment, use the opportunities. Don't just have good intentions. 